Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, everyone. This is Mark Trichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. I'm here today with one of my three favorite Kirks. It's not Captain Kirk. It's not Kirk Cousins. I'm a big Minnesota Vikings fan. It is Kirk Kordaleski from the OM Financial Group, an executive benefit consultant that I've known for many, many years from back in the day when he ran a credit union in New York and I was the regional director in New York. Kirk, how are you doing today? Mark, I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. It's exciting to be on with you. And it's exciting to see how your consulting practice has taken off over these last few years. I don't know exactly the date range, but you and I have now a chance to see each other with some frequency on the road as we both do the conference work. But I'm hearing nothing but wonderful things about what your firm is doing in the marketplace and helping credit unions grow and deal with the NCUA and expand their charters and and do all the exciting things that are now opportunities for credit unions. Kirk, I appreciate that. And yeah, we just saw each other a few weeks back. We had it on the calendar to try and get something lined up. And we ran into you at the beautiful Sagamore Hotel there with the New York Credit Union Association, which was one of those great meetings that you're referring to. I ran into you at GAC. And I used to run into you at GAC back in our previous versions of what we did along this credit union journey. But the same for me. It's once you have credit unions in your blood, it doesn't matter who you're working for, or what you're at exactly doing. You know you want, if you're going to be doing something, it probably needs to be tied to credit unions. You feel that way? I couldn't say it better. I'm still as passionate about it as today as I was. And my goodness, I go back some 40 plus years, Mark. Really, I started as a part-time teller, Was had the honor of becoming CEO of Beth Page and had that exciting opportunity for 15 years. And then have done some consulting work over these last seven years in a number of interesting ways because our industry is changing so much. I had an opportunity to lead a consulting firm that did some strategy. I did some work on the founding of a couple fintechs, but the digital and data strategy that we worked on for a couple of years was an amazing transition that happened. And now I'm a partner at OM Financial, where we do a lot of work in supplemental executive retirement programs. But I did want to say one thing about our days together when we work together. I, and I don't know if you remember this moment, but in thinking about our podcast today, I remember so distinctly in 08, and you gave me a call. It was a Sunday afternoon and maybe a Sunday evening. It was late at night, as I recall. <laughs> but it was everything had broken with the corporates. And you did it just this amazing job. We were all as nervous as we could be. And there was a lot of good reason to be fearful, right? Beth Page had $10 million in capital in some of the in split between a few corporates. And that was at a time where we were when Beth Page was smaller and 10 million was two-thirds, three-quarters of a year's income, right? Yeah, it was sure. big dollars. And we had the insurance fund scare. But you did such an amazing and marvelous job of keeping it calm, reassuring me at Beth Page and how that the NCUA was reacting to this and the professionalism at that time and that level of comfort really helped 
us think through and calm down and get through that time frame. So I wanted to thank you for that. And I promise you, it is a memory that is just distinct. And I can recall the telephone call as if it was yesterday. You're sending chills up my spine just thinking about that. But you remembered that. And I'm glad that you received that call as well as you did. Going back to those days, I was the regional director and the crisis was happening. And they asked me to come in and the individual in the corporate program had retired and they needed some assistance. And at the time, I had conserved the biggest credit union that had ever been conserved. So we conserved West Corps and U.S. Central on the same day. And we had Keith Morton, one regional director, went to U.S. Central, and Scott Hunt, who's now in charge of the Office of National Exam and Supervisions, and I went out to West Corps. And so it was that weekend. We conserved them on Friday. It was that weekend. We called all the capital holders and said, all right, we know you're not happy, but we had to do this and keep your deposits in so we can hold these investments and let things get better, right? And the message was well received. And I think it wasn't going into that morning, Scott and I were like, okay, how bad is Monday going to be, right? Are people going to see past the anger of what's going on and understand what's best for their fiduciary responsibility to their credit union? One thing, when this topic comes up, we had to put teams together to go to US Central and to go to West Corps. And we had a lot of people at West Corps because you hope for the best, but you plan for the worst. And we had so many people that we had brought out there. And when you do conservatorships of a natural person credit union, you might have 5, 10, 15 people. We had substantially more than that because of the role that West Corps played in all the West Coast and East Coast credit unions because of the right. membership, yeah, right? Yep. Exactly. And so I remember meeting with that group and I'm going, okay, I'm hoping this is going to go well tomorrow. And I remember this message that I put together for him. And it was, my goal is that tomorrow morning, you look at each other and say, I don't know why they flew me here. We didn't need so many people, (laughs) right? I said, so if you leave here, if I can make you go home Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, get back to your regular job, that's a win. You're here just in case the fires start and I don't have to bring you in. But so the goal is that you go, why the heck did you bring me in? And because of how well the credit union community responded to understand that to stay united was the way to approach it, most of them were able to go home Tuesday or Wednesday. And then even after I retired and you moved on to different roles, the payments, the repayments of the capital kept coming, I think, recently this year. Westcourt didn't get some, but the U.S. Central folks did. Most of the corporates had some money that went back and was able to go back onto the balance sheets of credit unions. So another example of working together. It really is. And I think that maybe that's the reason why both of us are so passionate about the industry and still connected to it. It it really does work together in in ways that are hard to explain sometimes to our friends that come in from the banking world and are in the more for-profit world. The collaboration is still very real and it's still a superpower for the industry. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. To that note is that you wouldn't have any way of knowing this, but that weekend, we were doing strategic planning in New York City. And you can imagine having spent the previous year doing the data and doing the research and planning for that. And, and then in the middle of this, Lehman has gone down now and the Congress has voted against the stimulus. And we're sitting there, we're just watching the stock market just drop as we're making our presentations about the next three years. And we had to throw all of it away. Just, <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. well. <laughs> and then I called and said, your capital's, your, your, your sub debt's depleted, right? Yeah, but remain I, calm. 
Uh, but we can laugh about it because of how yeah. successful, right? And, right, and right? Ultimately, that the three corporates did go down, but credit unions did well. And, and the NCUA, once again, that parsing it out now for seven years of the insurance costs really made all the difference in the world. That right, was, yeah. And that was, again, your organized effort by NAFQ and CUNA and the NCUA board. It's not easy to get Congress to take action, but when there's a real crisis going on, they tend to have a little bit more clarity. So there were some things that were able to get done to average it out over time and all that. So one last funny story tied to that. The day we conserved in California, you never know what's going to happen on the news. Are they are the news trucks going to line up? And so you're always kind of worried about that. And if you because you gotta you either you don't want to say no comment, but you want to say something that's appropriate and you hope you don't have to say anything, right? But that night was the Octomom had her eight children in LA right down. So it was all over the news. And we got we only had about 10 seconds of coverage because they were all over those cute eight babies out there. <laughs> that that is the world of PR, right? Right. Yeah, right. Goodness, it's, it's all about timing. So yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. We were good and lucky at, at that juncture. But anyway, all right. So enough about those days. So tell me a little bit about OM Financial Group and the things that you're doing to help credit unions compensate so that they can retain is kind of what pops into my head when I think about it. But let's chat a little bit about what you and OM Financial Group do for credit unions. Yeah, thank you, Mark. And OM has actually been around the longest in the industry for supplemental executive retirement plan, SERPs, for split dollars. There's the two brands or two options that executives have and boards have to provide to executives. 457Fs, the large bonus plans that I had at Beth Page that are traditional in place. And then the split dollar plan started to come in around 2001, and the NCOA approved the mechanism or the options in 2005 or thereabouts. And the O and the M are uh, Bill O'Connor and Joe Maloof. They were the ones that were in New England and had started being asked by some of the Massachusetts and Maine credit unions, could these types of insured-based retirement plans be brought over from the bank side to the credit union side to help executives plan for their retirement and have the funds? And the beauty of the split dollar plans are that they have their insurance base, their whole life or index universal life. We primarily do whole life, but their whole life insurance based products. So as they accumulate cash value over the tenure of the executive from the time the plan is put in place to their retirement date, that cash value then can be withdrawn during the retirement years tax-free. So the executive gets a tax-free benefit. The policy is set up to be large enough to pay the credit union back with interest. So it becomes other asset rather than an expense that the 457Fs typically are. And so it's really grown and grown in business. And the latest data that we've seen, which is the NAFQ annual survey, shows that now split dollars are the more dominant SERP policy in place, particularly for any credit union over $250 million in assets. And it's because of that value proposition that the executive gets tax advantaged and the credit union gets paid back. So we see that. And what really has changed so much is two aspects of the industry. One is just the demographics, right? My age group, right? We have a a massive exchange of talent. I've looked at this from a number of different angles, and we might want to talk about this some other time or go into it at some point. But I think we're kind of in a fifth generation of leadership that has happened now. If you think about it, our, our original group of really volunteers, and there was a asset size and a product mix that had to do with that. 
And then there was kind of a general manager, more the switch from the volunteer to or administrative. And then there was a third generation, the folks that sort of taught me the business. They started building capital. The regulations came in. They were expanded during Ronald Reagan's time frame, and the product mix was allowed. And they grew in assets and now became multiple hundred million dollar institutions. And then my generation came along and started looking at multiple segs, not sort of a monopoly model and an expansion of the products and services into different markets and regions. And we were fortunate enough, Beth Page was fortunate enough to be granted the largest federal charter in the country at the time in 2003, when we got all of Long Island. So that was part of the NCUA support of that expansion. And now we're in a new generation. And those of us that are retired, and you see that retirement, boy, every week, right? A new large credit retiring. But now that new generation is digital and data, the secondary capital and derivatives and sophistication and brand and many aspects of the business as assets grow. And so that's the second piece is that we not only have had the demographic change, but we've also had as assets increase, compensation grow, and more of a need for service. So you see those two things really pushing the business. And so now new CEOs that are coming in, if you want to recruit them, you probably need a SERP. And C-level teams of those credit unions over $500 million, if you want to retain them for succession plans or recruit them, you probably need a SERP. Well, and so those asset thresholds, you kind of revisit that. So at what level do these benefits start being offered to maybe the number one person? And then you mentioned the C-suite. Did I pick up on that, right? There's a level yep. where you kind of tiptoe into it with one person, and then there's a level where you started expanding it to the C-suite? Yeah, I'll give you the general numbers. Uh, we ran yeah. these last year. I would, I would guess they've increased a little bit, but that's okay. At about $100 million to $250 million, there is an opportunity to do one CERP. It is very difficult to do more than one because, as you're aware, you can basically allocate 25% of your net worth to a CERP option to be funded. So, at typical $100 million credit, you might have $10 million in capital net worth and two and a half million would be eligible for a plan. But we are working hard, by the way, with the small credit union groups, with CUNA and others to help put in some plans that would retain talent in those smaller credit unions. I think one of the great risks to the industry is the loss of the smaller credit unions. And part of that is talent. If they're really qualified, they get absorbed up in the system, the bigger assets. Right. To specifically answer your question, 100 million to 250 million about uh, one person, 250 million to 500, you start to see the CFO and COO being included in the plan, yep. particularly if one of them is in the succession plan, then there's a real need to lock them up. Because you think about the retention of that talent with all the CEO positions that are opening up, those are the folks that are really primed, right? They're the ones that have sat at the table, met with the NCOA, done the investment decisions, done the pricing. They're in line if they're of the right age group. And then as you get over 500 million to a billion, you start to see at least three included and sometimes more, particularly as you get closer to the billion. And now it becomes when you're acquiring talent from outside of the industry or within the industry, recruitment of those folks. And now if you're getting people from banks or from fintechs, the replication of stock options starts to become part of that conversation, right? How do we give you, create wealth for you as time goes by that you could have gotten in the for-profit marketplace? Sure. 
that, and then that's, that, you're now talking three to five and, and over 10 billion, sometimes eight executives are involved. And again, you talk about the number two, the number three, or the other Suisse people, and you start having all these retirements, the ability to keep them happy where they're at so that you don't lose too much corporate knowledge at one point in time. I know that that was something when I was at NCUA, you'd have these pendulums where NCUA would hire a certain amount of people, whether it was the NCUA board approving a 25% increase of staff. Well, those 25% increase of staff kind of walked through a timeline together. Because when I started in 80, I started in 86, and they actually doubled staff in the budget year that I was hired. So there was this huge group of people moving through, which at different times had advantages and disadvantages. But if you lose too many people at one time, it can create issues. And if you know that you have a number one that's retiring this year and a number two that's retiring in two years, who might be taking over for a handful of years, it's important to be able to have programs in place that are going to allow you to retain so you keep that corporate knowledge, the history that's been passed on from generation. You talk about the different generations within the credit union. It's great to see that this is growing, that OM is doing so well, providing this benefit out there. Because again, putting my examiner's hat on, it all comes back to the M and CAMEL, right? The management is the key. It's all about the members, but it's that board and it's that executive team that keeps the institution safe and sound. And being able to retain is job one as it relates to that. So, what I think, and maybe you would agree with this, I think running a credit union is the toughest job in retail banking. And the reason for that is that even though our banking friends may not agree, there are pretty significant restrictions on investment options, on secondary capital on charters that credit unions get. They've been expanded, and I think the NCUA and states are doing a great job of modernizing those models. But it is really tough to grow organically and be successful organically without access to capital and meet those needs. So it's really a tough job. And the greatest asset of any company is its leadership. And that does not demean anybody else in this organizational structure. But it is the leaders who are responsible for the vision and the setting the goals and meeting those goals and all those pieces. So now as credit unions grow and become, I think, uh, have the great opportunity to expand and be even larger market shares, they need these leaders and leaders are going to have to compensate. And there is a really clear connection between asset size and compensation. So as assets grow, so does the compensation. It makes It's logical, right? But as you see this, we saw a period in 20 and 21 where really assets grew by about a third at most institutions, right? And so that pushes compensation up and that creates a bigger gap in the retirement plans because most credit unions only have a 401k and social security, right? So they're without the traditional older retirement plans, you have this gap that gets bigger with compensation and you got to fill it with something, that's where the SERPs come in. That makes perfect sense. Two questions pop into my head. I remember, so when this started contemplated to be allowed in credit unions, actually NCUA learned a lot from the state regulators because they had seen it in banks, right? And so that's where NCUA came up with some comfort. But I'm sure as you look at the time you've been doing this, education of the examiner is part of the process, right? They need to understand that whatever the credit union is doing, A, is affordable, and B, is within the rules that are allowed. So, and NCUA has had a lot of staff turnover, 
And so people, there's always that first discussion where an examiner sees this the first time and the CEO and the board or the executive team needs to kind of provide the documentation and explain that it's within the guardrails and all that. Is that something that you've seen over time has gotten better understood at NCUA or are any advice to someone who is thinking about doing this or after they hear this podcast wants to call you and say, hey, how might I do this for my credit union? How do you manage the NCUA side of that at a credit union who is looking at it or has just got this new new product? Very important question because there are two things that come into play. One is, is that education is essential to this. And we spend a lot of time. And I would say that all the vendors that are in this space do a great job of this. Spend a lot of time educating the board about how these plans work and educating the executives on how they work and provide a package been approved by the NCUA through other exams to each of the new credit unions that are coming on so that all of it is documented and can be followed through in the terms that the NCUA is expecting. So that becomes a big part of it, but they are reasonably complex. So the important part is really doing an annual review with the board and the executive, particularly after the first couple of years, the first couple of years, the illustrations perform as you would imagine, right? There's no real change in interest rates or anything normally. But getting back in front of the board and making sure that they're doing it. So we do things like providing a weekly webinar class that we call 101s. And we do four standard webinars. The 101, though, is the basics of what are allowed by the NCUA and how these plans, either 457F or a split dollar, work internally, counting-wise, compliance-wise and illustration and actually produce uh, retirement benefits wise, so that the boards always have a chance to come back and relearn it. We think the crucial part here, because there is risk in these plans, that the boards understand and the executives understand them, because the last thing anybody I think wants in the industry, including our friends at the NCUA, is that these plans don't work, and then that there is a challenge to having to refund them or do something else that becomes a financial burden to the credit union. Yeah, exactly. Now, big part of what we're talking about is retention, right? But if someone's like the number three person at Credit Union A, and they're in New York, and they end up getting a really good opportunity in California where they can be the number two or the number one, how does that transition work relative to these products? Is it it ends here and it starts there? Is it, if you have one here, it somehow can piggyback off over there? Am I barking up the right tree there? Oh, you got it, right? And with all the movement that we have in the industry right now, you see a lot of this occurring. So I'm going to take the two different plans and talk about them in different ways, right? So the 457F is really a contract with the executive to be paid at a certain time in their future. So if they don't meet that certain time in the future, and they are different. They're not always at retirement. A younger exec, it might be to retain the CIO for five years, right? So there are different ways that the plans are used. But if that executive leaves, they typically leave that money on the table. That, that doesn't go with them. Sometimes if they're really being recruited, they'll be able to negotiate the adding of that back on at the other side. But it Got doesn't it. trend. On the split dollar, on the insurance-based ones, there's a vesting schedule that's typically set up between now and the time that the executive is going to retire. And let's just say it's 10 years for ease of math 
and the vesting is going to increase by 10% a year, 10, 20, 30, 40, and so forth. If the executive leads in year five, they will take with them, it will move with them the 50% of the plan, and it will still get paid at 65, won't be paid immediately if 65 is retirement. And the other 50% just reverts back to the credit union, and they can use it for whatever they want, next executive, whatever that may be. So the split dollars are more transferable and based on the vesting schedule, where the others are more, they're just at the organization that originated. Got it. Okay. That's an aha moment for me. I figured there had to be, with all the movement around, there had to be some ways to work both sides of that. But that's fascinating. That's, I think, good intel. Go ahead. Younger execs, if they really want to retain them, they'll slow down the vesting schedule, right? That's how you ensure that the retention works. Sure. Well, and then the other thing is, and the negotiation, if you're the younger person is okay, but then give me a little bit more, right? Yeah, I'll stick around, make it worth my while, right? So fascinating. Very good. So, you know, I do a lot of things on LinkedIn. And before we started chatting here, we were talking about a call you had earlier in the day. And I had noticed that you had posted on LinkedIn that you were offering an opportunity just to anybody out there that wanted to chat with you about what it's like to be an executive or what it's like to be a CEO and basically mentor some of these new generation. You had quoted that out there. And I'm curious, has your schedule filled up so much from doing that? And how's that going? My schedule has filled up. It's been wonderful. I have about 25 people that have taken me up on the offer. And Mark, it is invigorating to see the excitement by so many people. It breaks down into kind of three different groups. It's really interesting, right? Some people are just ready, right? They are matured through their career and they're really asking questions about how do you think about strategy or how did you get Beth Page to grow, that kind of thing. And then there's a next group that is really talented as well, but they're just in their beginning stages of their C team, COOs, CFOs, et cetera. And they're trying to figure out how to learn and what, how to engage with boards and how to build a culture. So they have a different kind of set of questions. And then you have a group that probably has another step before they become CEO. They probably have to become that CFO or COO or one of those chief officers yet because they're at such a beginning. And they're asking about education, but in a different way about what the QCEO Institute might do or what are the other options available in the industry to learn about strategy and learn about how to communicate and certainly about finance. And so it's been wonderful. I've provided 25 people a couple hours of my time, but I get more out of it than they do, I'm sure. But the future of the industry is strong, my friend. There is really excited new leaders coming around who believe. I think so important to something we talked about earlier, maybe it was before the call or the beginning of this, and it was that this industry is vibrant, but it requires people that believe as well as understand how to run a business. It's those two things that matter, I think, for successful leaders. And those folks are showing it every day that are trying to learn some more. That's great. A couple things pop into my mind when you said that. I think of Stephen Covey sharpening the saw and beginning with the end in mind. The seven habits of highly effective people. Those are two of them. Begin with the end in mind. So they have this goal, right, of getting there. And then sharpening the saw is that educational process. And I've been having a lot of fun kind of educating myself on how to be an entrepreneur and continuing to sharpen the saw in that way. But it's great to see. I'm not surprised that you had 
such a good response to that, but it's great to see that vibrancy in that belief. And then when you said believe, I thought of Ted Lasso, the TV show with the sign up there, right? The, yeah. the believe, right? And it's like, if you have hope and you have belief, you can tackle just about anything on this planet. So that's just great. Yeah, it wasn't that amazing show. Really? Oh, just, I, yeah, yeah, it was one of the best in quite some time in so many ways. So uh, listeners, if you have not and I did not ruin any stories about the sign. The believe sign is a focal point of a few different episodes. I'll just leave it at that. But if you believe in something and have that passion, you can knock down walls. That's it. And I think our industry will continue to knock down some walls. Very interesting conversation. I think we could have one day. It's about uh, our friends in the community banking industry and credit unions, how they're going to fare over the next 10 years. I'm a strong believer that credit unions are going to be the winner in that market share game. I think you're right. And that might be a podcast later this year or maybe next year if we want to touch base again on that. But that could be a whole episode. So, Kirk, this has been great. If there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, or maybe even two, what would those be? Is there anything else you'd like to add here before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I think we've covered so much. First of all, I appreciate it. As I said earlier, it's wonderful to catch up with you. And I'm so glad the business and the podcasts are going well. I would uh, the one comment I would leave you with, and it really dovetails what we just talked about, about the future of the industry. It is really important for boards to think about compensation and benefits. It is essential that they are educated on what compensation, and we don't provide compensation surveys or that data, and there are many fine companies out there that do so. We have data, if you would like to know what the other surveys are saying out there, I do accumulate that information. And I'd be glad to provide it to people, but we don't do the survey or the consulting ourselves. But we have seen this asset growth, changes in the strategies and changes in so many things in the industry. Compensation has grown really substantially for the top tier jobs, CEO, CEO, CFO, COO. Over the last three years, CEO jobs, particularly in the highest performing have been double-digit increases in total comp base and annual salary. So watch those numbers. Talent does need to be treated fairly. The industry doesn't have to be paid the most in the world, but it does need to be treated fairly if you're going to have the talent to compete and create great teams and great cultures and create wonderful member value. That's a great place to wrap this up. Now, if someone listening would like to reach out to you, either as it relates to understanding these products and how they might fit into their credit union, or if one of your 25 mentees graduate and you have a new slot that you can add somebody if they might be interested in that, how would they best reach you? Yeah, well, thank you. And I would gladly help anybody else that would like to do the mentoring for a couple hours. So the best way to reach me, certainly find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the natural connection for all of us these days. Kirk Kordaleski, and I'm at OM Financial Group. But if you want to reach me directly, K Kordaleski, so K K O R D E L E S K I at OM financial.com. Fantastic, Kirk. And I will put that in my show notes so that if somebody's looking at it on their phone, they'll have the connection information right there. This has been a lot of fun. Great catching up with you. And thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Mark. Greatly appreciated, my friend. Thank you. And listeners, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you'll listen again soon. This is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com. 